0: Shoes Talking to my wife this morning. How y'all doing? Let's all stand together. Welcome to Celebration Church (laughs) As our campuses join us in Appleton and Stevens Point this morning, let's recite together the Apostles Creed This is our statement of faith. This is who we are what we believe at Celebration Church We believe in God the Father Almighty the creator of heaven and earth We believe in Jesus Christ his only son our Lord who for us and for our salvation The forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. All right, you're going to holler at me later, but come here. Come here. (laughs) Hot stockings, baby. No, I wanted everybody else because they don't see you at the campuses. Look how good she's doing. I mean, it's, it is absolutely miraculous. The doctors are stunned. They use words like shocking every time she comes in. Uh, we thought we were going to lose her a year ago. They said she'd be gone. Oh, they gave you till January. She got a couple of more days. <clears throat> but uh, she's too stubborn to die. I'm telling you. I know this woman. But anyway, doesn't she look Good. Yeah, she's smiling now. Wait till I, she hollers at me later. All right, so, <laughs> a quick, uh, this is Mission Sunday. A quick update on our missions givings. We're encouraging something we hadn't really focused on in our church before, but we're starting to focus on it now. As you can see, we're about double over where we were last year. Praise God for that. We want to encourage that. And uh, typically we do a two-offering deal, but uh, not today because of the kids singing and everything else going on. So if you can remember your special... Missions giving in the one offering today. That'll be great. Also, we're almost to our goal. We're slowly getting there A uh, we'll goal of 1.2 million. We've not reached one zero six zero. So praise God. We're getting there little ways to go yet And uh, that'll be a great celebration as you know, I travel all over the country and the world uh, speaking to various churches organizations, whatever uh, talking about marriages and stuff and uh, There's a friend of ours that, we've been to his church twice, once in Olympia, Washington, and just a few weeks ago in Fresno, California. He used to pastor in Stevens Point. Some people over in Stevens Point will remember him. You know, I've heard some good testimonies. People said that you really made a big difference in their lives. And I said, we talking about Dale? So, uh, (laughs) didn't you tell me, Diane, you said something. You said he saved my life. Yeah, there's rather. He doesn't know who you are, but he saved your life. So praise God, Diane's still with us. <laughs> also a cancer survivor. Three cancer survivors right there. Wow, praise God. Go hang with those chicks. They're strong. I gotta shut up. Would you please welcome as our special guest today, Pastor Dale Oquist.
1: No, I, uh, great to see you today, Celebration Church. How are you? I am, uh, yes, I am from California, but I am not a Californian. I'm a Wisconsinite. So we're here, we're here secondarily for the game today. Years ago, a friend of mine and I started talking about we got to get to we got to get to Green Bay and we got to see a game. My friend Aaron's from Olympia, and so uh, so we said we have to we have to we have to see a game. But we can't. We're not going to see a game in October or September at Lambeau. That's for lightweights. <laughs> we're going to see a game in December the frozen tundra, (laughs) Lambeau Field, you know, because that's when Wisconsin people show up for games. That's when when you go to a real game. And so we looked at the forecast, (laughs) 50 and rain. You can get that anytime in the Northwest. Anyway, we're going to have a great time, It's regardless, because it's Wisconsin. Great to see you here, great to see those watching online, great to see those in Stevens Point. Shout out to Stevens Point, love that city in central Wisconsin, as well as Appleton. Great to see all of you. As we talk about the reason for the season today, as we gather with the Word of God, if you you have a Bible, you can start uh, looking in Isaiah chapter 8, because that's where we'll get eventually. Do we understand that the story of Christmas did not come and pop out of thin air? It's not some random event that took place. The story of Christmas is indeed the story of Jesus, but it is, I want to remind you, it is the continuation of a story that began thousands of years before Jesus was ever born. Look at these words. I don't know if you know this, but... But 700 years, there's hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about the birth of Jesus in what we would know as Matthew and Luke chapter 2. Look at one of them, 700 years. Think of this, 700 years. That's older than you are. 700 years before Jesus was ever born, this is what was said. It It said, behold, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and she will call him Emmanuel. So Israel had been looking for and has been, had been looking for the Messiah, the promised one. And the prophet said, If you want to look for the prophet, the, the Messiah, I will give you a sign. And that sign will be a virgin will give birth to a male child. And she'll call him Emmanuel, with, which means God with us. That's how you will know when it takes place. And thousands of these. These markers by these prophets that were always pointing to a time when Jesus would would be born. So whatever else we we celebrate when we come and celebrate Christmas, we celebrate a moment and an event in history. It may not be the most important aspect to the Christmas story, but it is an important one regardless because it's not a concept, it's not an idea, it's not a philosophy. It is, it is an event of of history. It happened in space and time. Galatians 4.4 says, but when the set time had fully come, so this is not a random time. It's not a random happening. When the set time had fully come, Jesus sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So at the perfect moment in all of history, God sent his son, Jesus, to be born as a man in flesh to accomplish the role that was given to him before we were ever around, to accomplish his purposes. Amazing stuff. And think think of Matthew where it reports that the magi, the, the wise men, how many wise men were there? We don't know. There were three gifts. That's why we think there's three wise men, but whatever else, we don't know how many wise men, but whatever else, they come to Herod and they say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw the star and we've come to worship him. That was not good news to Herod, as you can imagine, because he has, he is in charge. He's the one that's ruling. And so he's, he asks his religious team, where is this who was born king of the Jews? Because I want to find him. I want to worship him too. You really want to kill him. And they, the religious team, knew their Hebrew scriptures, and they knew that the Hebrew scriptures in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 declared that the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer would be born in Bethlehem. The prophets foretold it. This is simple history to them. Just as an idea, so as we talk about even the Old Testament and the New Testament, because we're about to read from the Old Testament... I want you to understand, we've been in a, this whole year of 2015 at our church, People's Church in Fresno, we we took the first two-thirds of the year and we talked about the Old Testament and then the last third all about the New Testament because our concept was, our idea was, it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. Because you read your New Testament and you see references all the time to the Old Testament, and those references are there not as the full story, but just as a reference point, a point so that that would re- make them recall a story, an event, a teaching, a truth from the Old Testament. Because without the New Testament, the Old Testament is just a road to nowhere. It, it, it's, it's a story without an ending. It, it goes off a cliff into oblivion, if you will. But without the Old Testament, the New Testament demands an introduction. You've got to understand where this all came from. You have prophets, you have priests, you have kings, you have ceremony, you have rituals, you have feasts, sacrifices in the Old Testament, and you, and you wonder where is all this coming from, and you find all of this out in the Old Testament, the, 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 the very things that we see in the New Testament. It's interesting, from, a, from a, theology, a book of theology of the Church of England, there is a man by the name of Griffith Thomas who wrote this of the Old Testament. It is a book of unfulfilled prophecies, unexplained ceremonies and unsatisfied longings. Isn't that interesting? It's a very real quote that talks about the fact that we need a continuation of the Old Testament because of the fact that if we don't, everything that was promised then is unfulfilled. We need something to continue, continue and fulfill all the promises and the prophecies of the Old Testament. So he continues on with this quote to say this, all of which are resolved in the New Testament's focus on Jesus Christ, who in his life fulfills the prophecies, in his death explains the ceremonies, and satisfies in his resurrection the longings. Amen, amen, amen. So let's turn our Bibles to the Old Testament, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 8. I know that you're going to cheat and look on the screen behind me, but I'm going to do the real way, the Christian way, The people in Stevens Point have Bibles. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> Isaiah 8, starting at verse 19. This is going to sound like it has nothing to do with Christmas, but it does. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to his word, they have no light of dawn. Verse 21, distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged. And looking upward, they will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. This is again about 700, actually 740 years before Jesus is born. This is a time, if you recall your Bible history, this is the time of the kings. This is the time when there's two kingdoms of Israel. There's a northern kingdom called Israel. There's a southern kingdom called Judah. The northern kingdom is in shambles. There are no good kings that lead the people toward righteousness. These are the people of Israel. These are Hebrew people, but no king leads them toward God. The southern kingdom is trying to find its way, trying to find a king that will lead them into righteousness. And Isaiah the prophet, God, is, God had always put a people, a, a group of people, kind of in the midst of that, always calling him, the, the, his people back to himself and those were called prophets, and in the midst of this dark, dark time in Israel, what Isaiah is pointing out is this: You go, what is he talking about? He's talking about this—that in the midst of life that we live, the most natural thing for us to do is to, in in the midst of trying to find answers to life's deepest questions, life's deepest issues, we tend to look on the horizontal we tend to look at life on on the, on the surface and that's what we do that's what they were doing that's why he talks about spiritists and consult mediums and the like is because that's what they were doing they were trying they know that there's more to this life and where do we find this and they were looking to this world they were looking on the horizontal they were looking to this earth and the things that this earth offers and we don't you know we do the same thing It may not be, it may be, or it may not be mediums and spiritists, it may be substances and relationships, but we try to find, maybe family, but we try to find the answers to life's deepest issues and our longings and the meaning and purpose of life with things that are on the surface of this earth. And he's saying, if you do that, Isaiah was saying, if you do that, you are only going to lead, it's only going to lead you to darkness and gloom. That... Life will only get darker and gloomier the more you do that, the more you search on this surface of this life for answers. And that is the same for us. Yes? That life will get darker. It will get gloomier. There will be no hope in this life if we don't look beyond this world. Now, here's, the, here's, here's a question. In the midst of this, in the midst of God's people, his people, in the midst of them searching horizontally, if you will, for answers to life, does God look at his people and abandon them and reject them? No. Say it louder, Pastor Mark. No. <laughs> Everyone answer with Pastor Mark. Does he abandon his people? No. no. He does not abandon his people. He does, even though they've rejected him, he does not reject them. And we have the, we know that because of this passage of scripture in Isaiah because now we read in Isaiah 9, which is, this is the lead-in to Isaiah 9, which is a familiar passage for our Christmas, you know, text of, of the Bible. Nevertheless, verse one, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Verse two, the people walking in darkness, we know why, what darkness is talking about when he's talking about in chapter 8, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Verse 6, for to us a child is born. Sound familiar? To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So, in the midst of this, he God doesn't abandon his people, he is going to, he sends a light, he sends a child, he sends, he sends hope to his people. And you Bible geeks will appreciate this, that Isaiah speaks in the present tense about a future reality. Think the book of Revelation as well. He speaks in the present tense about a future reality. For to us a son is born, to us a child is given, a light is has, past tense, dawned. It's talking about a future reality. When is this reality realized? When is this promise fulfilled? It is fulfilled in the event that we know as the birth of Jesus Christ. We also know it as Christmas. That God came to this planet to bring us hope. He came to be one of us. He came to live among us as his people to show us the way to hope. That's what Christmas is all about. That's the story of Christmas. And can you imagine being, there's a character that I love in the Christmas story and his name is Simeon. Eight days after Jesus is born, according to Jewish custom, they're going to, the, Mary and Joseph are gonna take their child and they're gonna present him at the temple. Now, Simeon is an old man and he's been, he's been promised by God. Years prior, and this is the promise that God has given to him. Some of you know this. He was promised that you will not die until your eyes get a sight and a vision of the Messiah, the promised one. So who knows how this happened, but while Mary and Joseph are among the throngs of those at the temple that day that Simeon is walking around and he sees this young couple with this baby boy and I don't know what sort of spiritual Geiger Connor went off. This is it. But he knows. He knows. And he says, he declares, he stops. Everything stops. The whole world stops at this moment for him. And he says, ah, sovereign Lord. I'd love it. Ah, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, I can now die in peace because now my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared for all the nations. My eyes have seen your what? Your salvation that you prepared from this story that started thousands of years ago. My eyes have seen your salvation which you prepared for the nations. It's It's a light to the Gentiles and the And it's the glory of Israel. It was the salvation that God had planned, that he had always promised. This is is how Matthew says some of the same thing. He says this. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says this. She will give birth to a son. She being Mary, right, will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name what? Which means Yahweh saves. You'll give him the name Jesus because Why? He's going to be called Yahweh Saves because what you can. This is this is not the library. There's, hopefully, they're serving. De, they're not serving decaf out there. It's all caffeinated, so you can talk. All right. They're going to call him Jesus. Why? Because why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. This word "save" is me, is is a lot more than just 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 save. It's it's he's going to forgive their sins. Up to this point in time, I want you to remember what these Hebrew people have gone through. If they want to deal with their sins, what did they have to do? They have to offer sacrifices, right? One of five animals, and they had to bring it to the temple, and they had to sacrifice this, and that's how they dealt with their sins. But I want you to remember, it atoned for their sins, which means it just covered them up. It didn't get rid of them. It didn't forgive them. It didn't eradicate them. It just covered them, essentially, until Jesus comes. It covered their sins. It didn't eradicate them. And, and Simeon saw the son and said, this is it. This is now the hope that we've always had. It's the salvation that we have been looking for. This is what we're looking for. So now, this is, so this is the premise. Jesus came, born of a virgin, because his name is going to be called Jesus, because he's going to save his people from their sins, Right? because we know that we, we try to find life life's answers and purpose and meaning in this life and things that are of this life. And we know that the more we try to do that, the more empty we become, the more cold our spirits get, the more hardened our heart becomes. And so in the midst of that, we want to put on a good show. We want to put on a good front. And so we have a veneer of pride and and, and, and pretense is part of our lives. But we know in the depth of our being that there needs to be more. There has to be more. And what we need is we need that more that only God can offer us. We need hope. We need Jesus. We need Christmas, right? Now, he came to save us from our sins, right? Is that Bible? Came to save us from our sins. So that means... If he came to save us from our sins, if we recognize that to be true, then what is true about us? Say it louder, sinners. Sinners. Look at the person next to you, because I know you can't say it about yourself. You're a sinner. Say it to him. That comes too naturally to you, some of your husbands and wives. We're sinners. So God comes to us through Jesus Christ, and He offers forgiveness. At, he offers us forgiveness. And so when you receive the forgiveness that God offers through Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. You become born again. You become a Christian. You become a follower of Jesus. But And it sounds so clean, sounds so simple, sounds so common, but it's actually very profound. Because the moment you say, I receive your forgiveness, what are you saying? That I need forgiveness because I have sinned. Think of the child that's been abused by their parent and they've grown up knowing that they've been abused by their parent and they get to the point in life where they understand that forgiveness is the only way that they can have freedom. And so they go to that parent who they have not talked to about this in any way, shape, or form and they go to that parent and they say without any requirement of, an accept, of a response. There needs, the, the response is irrelevant to the forgiveness offered. Jesus offers all of us forgiveness because our sins have been paid for. Whether we receive forgiveness or not is our deal. But they say to that parent, I forgive you for what you've done to me. Statistics say that 80 some percent of the time the parent says, I don't know what you're talking about. Because the moment they say, thank you for your forgiveness, they have to admit that they were a victimizer to their child and an abuser. So this is a big deal that we would say that, yes, I receive God's forgiveness. This is what we need to do. So this is, this is why Christmas is here, right? Because Jesus came to save us from our sins, right? Yes, yes or no? Yes. yes. So another way to understand this is, is the re- if there's no sin, there's no Jesus. And if there's no Jesus, there's no Christmas, right? So the equation starts with sin. There's got to be sin made Jesus. Jesus made Christmas. It's right. That's all we, right? So another way to say this is, I am the reason for the season. So I've made a shirt. Dale is the reason for the season. now Pastor Mark you've given me so much and uh, I mean I've got I've got the album Christmas in the City I've got I've got a bobblehead of you in my office on display I think you need this and you can't share it with Deb (laughs) so there you go now understand There's only two in the world, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> so when you open your gifts this Christmas Eve or maybe Christmas morning, I want you to go, thank thank you, Dale. I want you to just thank me because it's because of me that you're opening gifts this year. Well, it's also because of you. And we thank God for his grace, but the fact is, is that when, when we're dealing with people all around us, we have to remember, because this is, not, this is not trying to somehow minimize the importance of Jesus in the equation of Christmas. That's not what it's about, but it's about to remind us of why Jesus came, and it's to save people just like us, because God did what we, what we don't do. God did the opposite of what our tendency is. When people reject us, when people push us away, when people don't want to be around us, when people mock us, what do we do? We pull back. What, what did God do when we rejected him? He leaned into us. And he sent his son to save us from our sins. The grace is the, is, the, is the theme of Christmas. There's a great expectation of Christmas, and it's all about grace. And so when we're with our families, and some of us love to spend time with our families, and some of us dread <laughs> spending time with our families because of all the sin and all the dysfunction, that's not an interruption for, uh, to Christmas. It's the reason for Christmas. So, when you see that jerk of a brother in law, you go, That's why Jesus came. (laughs) He came for slugs like him. That's why Jesus came. He came for us. We're the reason for the season. And so when you get uptight and you get mad and angry and frustrated at people in line at Walmart, you just think, they're the reason for the season. <laughs> their selfishness and their, and their arrogance, their insensitivity to the people around them, that's why Jesus came. It's because of his grace. Because grace opens our eyes to a whole new world, does it not? God sent his son into this world, Jesus. For the first 30 years, he said nothing. He just put God on display. And then when he did start to talk and teach, he told us how God loves us and that God isn't mad at us, but he came to bring us hope. Jesus came into this world and he would eventually die on a cross. And on that cross, there would be a message that would say something like this, that you don't owe God anything for the sins you've committed because of the fact that Jesus came to save you from them and to die for those sins but with grace there always has to be a death of some sort and maybe that's the death of your pride or the death of your expectations. And as you're you're around people, you understand that if God sent his only son to die for them, and if he sent Jesus at Christmas, if you will, for them, then how should I respond to them as well? St. Augustine said this, He said it is not because of our merit that he came. It was because of our misery. And I don't know if you have any sort of mindset that says that unless I get my act together, God won't forgive me. Or unless I somehow respond positively to God. Or if I follow Jesus, then God will forgive me. But that God will forgive me once I submit to his will. That's what religion says. That's what other religions say. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say, God will forgive you if you just get your act together. God will forgive you if you just submit to Jesus. He doesn't say that. He says, God forgives you when you don't even deserve it. And all you have to do is receive that forgiveness. You see, there's a story. There's been a story that started thousands of years before Jesus was ever born. It's the story behind the story. But what we're shocked, what we're shocked at is the fact that the story behind the story is really you and me. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that our gospel, our, our God through Jesus Christ offers us the forgiveness of God when we don't deserve it, when we have done nothing to merit it. And the reason that we celebrate Christmas is because Jesus came to save us from our sins. Jesus is the cure for the world, but we are the reason for the season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.